powerful, isn't it? I pity the fool. We can all go home. That's good. That's good right there. Well, two years ago, my wife, Maddie, and I, we decided to embark on the journey of building our own house. Anybody built their own house in the room? A few hands. Wow, way more hands than I expected, actually. Yeah. So you know how stressful it is, right? You know what the process is like. It's terrible, isn't it? If you've ever built your own house, you know what, you know, you're going to meetings with the county, you're trying to figure out zoning, you're trying to figure out your architect and all these different things. About a year and a half ago, my wife and I, two years ago, a year and a half ago, we decided we we're going to do this. We we're 24 years old. We we're going to build our dream house, build our first house, and which was amazing. I felt so blessed. We both did. Like, this is a perfect opportunity for us. Most 24-year-olds go from like crappy apartment, crappy apartment, crappy apartment to crappy house, and then finally they get their house, right? But I was like, 24 years old, I'm going to have my dream house. I was like, all right, all right. I must be anointed. Right? I must be blessed. No, okay. But I was so excited, so energized to start this journey and to get into a place that we were going to call home for years and years. But then the stress came. About five minutes into the whole thing, all the stress came. I had to go from meeting to meeting to meeting, getting so much bad news from the county, from zoning, all these different things. I met with our architect in the house that we wanted was about 150 grand more than our budget, so that wasn't going to work. And then the house that we were finally set on, we got our whole budget done. We're like, okay, now we're $60,000 over our budget. Like, it just was not working. I felt the pressure of this every single day as I'm going for meetings, taking phone calls, realizing that we're way over budget, and recognizing that I am in my in-law's house living rent-free with my infant daughter and my wife thinking, I have got to get something done. And this was like a year and a half into the process thinking like, this is not working. I'm stressed and I'm frustrated trying to figure out how this is gonna, how I'm going to pull this off for my family. And as I think back to this super stressful year and a half for my wife and I, it makes me wonder how many of us are living with constant stress and constant pressure in our lives this morning, where we are feeling the pressure of life getting at us. We feel the weight of the world on our shoulders right now. It might not be with a house you're trying to build. It might be with your finances. You might be staring at a mountain of debt that you've been trying to pay off for years, or you're trying to figure out how you're going to pay it off, and it's going to take years. You might be looking at your family this morning and thinking about your relationships with your family and thinking, man, we are just broken right now. You might be looking at your own personal life and be seeing some addictions that you're struggling through and that you're trying to face head on. And I'm not just talking about drugs and alcohol. I'm talking about Netflix, smartphones, Facebook, the works. Right? The average person checks their phone 40 Seven times per day. Isn't that amazing? 17,000 times per year. Smartphone addiction is real. And it causes stress. It causes loneliness. It causes narcissism. It causes anxiety. Smartphones aren't evil in themselves, but we need to figure out how to use these things, right? As we talk about finances, right? So many of us are facing debt. 40% of Americans, according to CBS, are one missed paycheck away from living in poverty. That's a scary statistic. If we took this room right now, it would be right here. Not all of you guys specifically, but right. You guys need to get your act together. No, I'm just kidding. But this is scary stuff, right? What we're realizing is that this world 
is evil. This world is stressful. And if we continue to live on our own wisdom and our own knowledge, instead of seeking the wisdom of God, then we are going to continue down this path of poverty, of stress, of addictions, broken relationships, and feeling the weight of the world every single day. We need to figure out how to tap into God's wisdom because our wisdom isn't working anymore. We need to be humble enough to recognize that the world that we are living in, the world that we have created together as sinful people, isn't working anymore. And I want to encourage you that while there's so many bad statistics I just showed you, and while there's so much negativity in the room right now as we talk about all the bad things, right, there is good news. God's wisdom is free and available for everybody who follows Jesus. You can tap into the wisdom of God just like people in the Bible did. And we're going to open up our Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 1 today. And we're going to read about a man named Solomon. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up. If not, it'll be up on the screen for you. But just a little precursor to what we're about to read. King Solomon was the king of Israel uh, back in this time in 2 Chronicles. Famous, But just before he became king, his dad, David, we know King David, one of the most famous, blessed, anointed kings in all of Israel, will probably go down as the greatest king, you know, other than, you know, God. But he'll probably go down as the greatest king of Israel that they've ever had. And now it's Solomon is about to fill David's shoes and become king in Israel. And he's recognizing the life change that is happening in his life. And this is one little piece, one little nugget I want to give you before we jump into it. Do you recognize where you are now? Do you recognize the decisions that you have to make? Do you recognize the situations that you're in? Because when we can recognize the situations that we're in, we know what we need to ask God for. When we can recognize what we are facing, we know what to ask for. And that's exactly what King Solomon did. Starting in verse 6, it says, Solomon went up to the bronze altar before the Lord in the tent of meeting. He offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. And that night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. And Solomon answered, God, you have shown great kindness to my father and have made me king in his place. Now, Lord God, let your promise to my father be confirmed, for you have made me king over a people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people, for who is able to govern this great people of yours? And God said to Solomon, he said, since this is your heart's desire, You have not asked for wealth, possessions, or honor, nor the death of your enemies. And since you have not asked for a long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I have made you king, therefore wisdom and knowledge will be given to you. I will also give you wealth, possessions, and honor that no other king has had. So Solomon goes to God to seek wisdom. He recognizes where he is at. That he is in a place where by his power, by his wisdom, and by his knowledge, he is going to fail as a king. He recognizes that life and his situation is too much for him to handle on his own. He has an outside source for wisdom. And so what's his first step? What does he do? Verse 6 says that he goes to the bronze altar to offer a thousand pieces of cattle to burn their sacrifices for God. Now, this is crucial to understand. Now, why do people go to the altar in the Old Testament? To burn their sacrifices. Because that was the payment for their sins. Now, we don't do this anymore because of Jesus, right? We don't bring any sheep up here during our services and just, you know, a little slice to the, yeah, getting a little gory, but, you know, blood everywhere. We don't have to do that anymore. 
Because our payment for our sins is Jesus on the cross. And so that's our hope, that we can trust in Jesus. But what people did is they would bring cattle to an altar, they would slaughter the animals, and that was the payment for their sins. And so this is the very first thing that Solomon does, is he pays for his sins by offering up his cattle. And the very first thing we see is that there's a thousand, there's a thousand heads of cattle. And so what we're recognizing about Solomon is that he's very wealthy. Most families back in this time, they would have three or four cows, maybe one or two goats, and that was it for their family to feed. And so if Solomon has a thousand cattle that he's just willing to give up, we know that he is very wealthy by the world's standards back then. But what's interesting about Solomon is that he's willing to give these thousand heads of cattle to God. He's willing to surrender this to God. And it makes me think of a man in the New Testament with Jesus. In Matthew chapter 19, there's a rich young ruler, and he walks up to Jesus and he says, Teacher, what must I do to become saved? And Jesus said, You must follow the commandments. You must obey what the Bible says to do. And he said, All these things I've done, I've kept every single commandment, but I'm still lacking something. I still know I'm not saved. And Jesus said, You must sell all of your possessions and give your money to the poor. And the guy walked away sad. Never sold anything, kept making money. Jesus was trying to get this guy to understand that it's not just about following the actions. It's not just about coming to church. It's not just about you know, worshiping and reading your Bible. It's not just about doing good works. It's about surrendering your entire life. And that could include your wealth. Solomon recognized that he needed God and he needed God's wisdom, but there was something in his life that he needed to give up in order to get that. And so the question that we need to ask ourselves this morning is that is there anything in our lives, whether it's a secret sin, whether it's something that we're idolizing in our lives, is there anything in our lives this morning that we need to give up in order to get right with God? Because the very first thing that we need to do, if we want wisdom from God to know what to do with our life decisions, we need to get right with God. We need to go to him and be right with him. And Solomon did this by burning cattle. We can do this through prayer. We can do this through confession by saying, God, these are the sins that I'm struggling with and we're giving them to him. We're surrendering everything to him. And when we do this, he opens up this line of communication. He opens up this relationship with us that he can now start giving us answers. He can now start giving us wisdom to live and how to make these next decisions in this crazy world that we are living in. I was just talking to a lady at our Isani campus just a few weeks ago. And she walked up to me after the service and she said, Justin, would you pray with me? I said, yeah, absolutely. What do you need prayer for? She said, I don't know, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I have this job, but I also have grandkids. I don't know if I should continue to work. I don't know if I should, you know, quit my job and retire. I don't know what my next step is. And I said, well, God cares about part-time jobs as much as he cares for full-time jobs. God cares for the poor as much as he cares for the rich. God cares for all of our situations, no matter how big or how small. So let's pray. And we prayed together. Two weeks later, I come back to our Sandy campus. And the first thing that she says to me when she sees me is she says, God answered my prayer. I'm staying at my job. I know exactly that's what I need to do. Isn't this amazing? We are seeing God work when we go to him in prayer, when we have a right relationship with God. And when we actually ask God for wisdom, when we actually ask him for answers, it's that simple. I hear so many times, and I've said this so many times in my own life, 
You know, when I have a problem, you, you just need to pray about it, right? How many of you guys have heard that before? Has anybody told you you just need to pray about it? How many of you guys are sick of hearing that? <laughs> a few hands. I hear this all the time, especially in youth group. Well, I've, I've tried praying, and, but I feel like there's something else I need to do. Or like, I know that the answer is prayer, right? But I know, like, is there something else you can tell me to do, right? <laughs> but I often hear that from people who have given up praying. We need to understand that God cares. He wants to give you wisdom in the great things, and he wants to give you wisdom in the small things. It might not always be on your timing. It might, always, it might not always be what you want, but it will always be on God's timing. It will always be perfect timing, and it will always be what you need. We need to continue to seek God. The very first thing that Solomon does is he goes to the altar. And that's a symbol that when you need wisdom, the very first thing that you need to do is you need to go to God. You need to be right with God. And then the third step is we just need to ask. Like, what does God say to Solomon? He says, what do you want me to give you? Could you imagine God walking up to you? I mean, not probably physically walking up to you, but God asking you right now, what do you want? I would say a Super Bowl, if I'm honest. If I'm a Bears fan, I'd probably say a kicker, even though the Vikings desperately need a kicker as well. God is a Vikings fan, I can confirm. No, I'm kidding. God is not in the business of giving away Super Bowls, Corvettes, mansions, all these things. I mean, he can bless you in crazy ways. Don't get me wrong. But what do you need this morning? Do you need wisdom to make that next big life decision, whether that's a job or a move or somebody's moving away in your family, maybe going off to college? That's scary, right, parents? Do you need wisdom to know what to do? When it comes to your budget... Like I said, 40% of Americans are one missed paycheck away from living in poverty. Do you need to invite God into your budget and ask for wisdom? Because let's be real. Let's be really honest for a second. For those of us who are really struggling financially, this is a generality, so not every situation. All right? I don't want to anybody too bad. But we have a spending problem, not an income problem. We have a budget problem, not an income problem. If we change our perspective and buy the things we need versus the things that we want, if we start eating out less, right, and start grocery shopping at Aldi instead of Target, right, we might save a little bit of money. But when we start inviting God into our budget and saying, God, how do you want me to spend my money? I want to glorify you. You have given me this money. You've entrusted me with this money. How can I glorify you? How can I honor you in this? And you're going to see God bless you in that. I'm not saying he's going to send you a $10,000 check, but what I'm saying is that you're going to make it to your next payday. And that's a gift from God. If you've got broken relationships, broken relationships with immediate family members, with extended family members, and some of it, to be honest, it's still rough. But what we need to do when we're walking in the midst of that is we need to invite God in. We need to not just believe the gospel, that we can be reconciled to God, but we need to live out the gospel. And that we can not only be reconciled with God, but we can be reconciled with one another. God wants to heal us. 
God wants to provide for us. He wants to give us our daily needs. We simply need to get up front with God, get right with God, and ask God for wisdom. All through the Bible, we see this theme. We hear Jesus say, ask and you shall receive. We hear the Apostle Paul say, ask and you shall receive. And now we're hearing God say, what do you want? And so what is it that you need today? Do you need a healthier family? Do you need God's hand in your budget? Do you need God to gently say, put down your smartphone? (laughs) Do you need God to say, cancel your Netflix subscription because it's all you do? All you do is watch The Office? Guilty, for sure. But on that subject, I mean, a lot of us live chaotic lives with chaotic schedules. Netflix and phones don't help. Invite God into even your budget. Invite God into even your smartphone addiction. Invite God into your broken family. Invite God into every situation of your life. We need God's wisdom because we've seen the result of not following God. We've seen the result of living out of our own pride saying, I've got this. It takes a prideful person to say, God, I've got this. It takes a humble person to say, God, I need your wisdom. And this morning, we need to take that step. We need to take the step to say, God, I need you. I need your voice. I need your calling. I need your leading because I can't do it anymore. This is what life is about. Life is not about living all on our own and thinking that we are the ones in control. This is what I did for 17 years of my life. I always believed Jesus was my savior. You guys believe that this morning that Jesus is your savior? Amen. It's not wrong. But what else is Jesus? He's your Lord. He's your master. Why do we call ourselves followers of Jesus? Because we're following somebody. We're not here to say, Jesus saved me, and then walk around like we don't even know who he is. We're not here to say, Jesus is my savior, but then continue to serve money, continue to serve other things in this world, continue to serve everything else but Jesus. We need to give our lives to him. We need to believe that he's a savior, yes, but we need to give our lives to him. We need to follow him. We need to commit our lives to him, just like Solomon did. He was willing to give up a thousand head of cattle if it meant getting into a relationship with God and getting his wisdom. What are you not willing to give up? If you need God's wisdom, we need to surrender everything to God. We cannot serve two masters. You either serve the world or you serve God. And we've seen what happens when we serve the world. Not only do we get into debt, Not not only are relationships broken, not only do we find ourselves in addictions, but we are spiritually dead if we're not serving God. You're walking around alive on this earth, but inside in your soul and inside in your spirit, you're sleeping. You're dead. And the only thing that can wake you up, the only thing that can resurrect you is by putting your life in the hands of Jesus by surrendering your life to Jesus. And it's not supposed to be easy. I know every time I hear people say this, I'm thinking, it sounds great, (laughs) right? Man, that sounds good. Eternal life, surrender, peace, contentment, that sounds good. But when I actually think about it, it's like, yeah, I don't want to give up that. (laughs) I still love this. This is going to be hard, but it's worth it. 
We cannot serve two masters. It's either the world or Jesus. It's either ourselves or Jesus. It's either our addictions or Jesus. It's either money or it's Jesus. It's either broken everything or Jesus. And if you want to make the decision to give your life to Jesus and surrender everything this morning, I want to invite you to do that. There's a few verses that I want to read for you just to summarize the gospel very quickly. But the gospel is this from the book of Romans. For the wages of sin or the penalty of sin, the payment of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if you confess with your mouth and believe that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Those are the words of the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans. And that is the truth. That when we not only believe that Jesus is Lord, that we not only believe that Jesus is Savior, but we allow him to come in, forgive us of our sins, and we can walk free because he died for us. He was that sacrifice on the cross that perfectly paid for all of our sins. When we put our hope and our trust in that and in him and we start following him, God will bless us. God will give us wisdom and God will give us life and life abundantly. Jesus said, I have come so that you may have life and life to the full. Do you want life to the full or do you want to continue to live in stress? Do you want life in full or do you want to continue living in bondage and being in master to every, or being, serving everything else? We want life to the full. We want Jesus. We want freedom. We want contentment. We want peace that only comes from Jesus. And if you want to give your life to him and accept that message this morning, I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. Let's bow our heads. Father, I admit that I'm a sinner. I have done so many wrong and bad things. But I believe in you. I trust in you. And I know that you died to save me from my sins. And I believe that you were resurrected to give new life that I may resurrect with you that my soul and my spirit may be alive. And it is only because you shed your blood. So forgive me, Jesus. Save me from my sins. Help me to follow you, to serve you, and to recognize that you are my Lord. I give my life to you. It's in your name I pray. Amen.